Good afternoon. I bet you thought you was going to get rid of me or the Argo, huh? <laughs> I'll teach you one Salish word right now, and that's Chesnyak. Uh, okay, can you say that? It means good afternoon. I'd share my gum. It's good to when you chew on gum, it's easier. But I, but I don't have any more gum. So, with that, I'm going to probably continue some of the things that you know started over there that I didn't finish. Again, remember when I said in there that uh, I assume you're all were in there, right? Uh, the beginning, you know, in the beginning of time, as I said, before we as humans the animals went through here and prepared the land from here. And not only that though, as, as, the, as the animals were preparing the land, they also plants food and medicinal for people to come in. And these, a lot of these are in our stories, what, what takes place. Uh, again, I'm having a hard time. I'm trying to research restrained from busting out and telling you a story, but I can't. <laughs> but some of those stories, you know, how they, a certain plant maybe grew up in a certain area, but you know, it's through these stories that, that a lot of this has, has taken place. So our traditional way of life of, of you know, has been, is, uh, is, is, you know, mostly a seasonal, it's a cycle, hunting, gathering, all those things are, are part of the, the cycle of, of life of the people many, many years ago. As I said earlier, the Bitterroot was utilized as a, mostly as a wintering area. The rest of the time, they had to follow the growth of the season, to follow the growth of the plants, to make sure that they were there where they, were, they needed to be in order to gather the food and the medicinal plants that were necessary to get them through another year. If they didn't, you know, then they would be out, out of luck. You know, it's like you could, they didn't have any Walmart spark back then, so you were kind of out of luck if you didn't do that. There's, a, there's, there, there's so many different plants and ways to utilize. Sometimes a person would learn one about one plant and use that one plant because in many ways these were gifts kind of like going back in time you know today we have we go see the doctor right we go see doctors um, general practitioners we go see the uh, the, the uh, specialists whether they're bone blood whatever we have specialists thousands of years ago it was no different the Salish and Pondre people had their own specialists. And these medicine men and women uh, didn't go to school to get a degree. They were gifts from our Creator. They were gifts through spiritual ways that they were informed in it and, and told about certain things, certain way, certain plants to use in their healing practices or whatever they were specialized in. So that's why that not everybody could use the same plant and it would work. It was just those certain people 
that were gifted and specialized in certain things were able to make these plants work because through the spiritual process of these things they would work. Otherwise it wouldn't work. Another person could do the same thing and it wouldn't work for them because it wasn't meant for them. So those are some of the things that, we, that, that took place through this, through this process of, of being the medicine man, the medicine room. And it could be for, for medicinal purposes, it could be for hunting, it could be, you know, they had medicine men and women for all kinds of things. They specialized in all kinds of things. And, and, and through the stories that, uh, that I heard from my, my elders, I mean, there were some very, very powerful people because they were so tied and connected to our environment, to, to our land, to, to the things that were out there. That made them so powerful because they were still tied to it very strong. Today, our young people aren't, aren't as tied to those things as they were, as our ancestors were. Therefore, they're lacking the strength and the power that our ancestors had. And those times, I mean, the stories I, I hear that were passed down to me that some of them I can't share with you were very, they were so powerful in certain ways that they were actually, you know, they were scary. I mean, they scared me. When my father would, would do some things, even warned me ahead of time that I would see this or hear that, it was still scary. But that's how powerful they used to be. And today we've dropped down, we've, I guess more or less we kind of got lazy. It's easy to go see the doctor down the street than to do it yourself because it's a bigger and longer process to be a successful medicine or Woman. So that's, that's some of the things that the animals gave to the people at that time. It wasn't just overnight that they became great doctors and it was a period of time. Once they became that, that was their lifetime commitment. That was their only job, was to be that doctor, the medicine man or woman, to take care of the people. All his other needs were taken care of by by, by the rest of the people, you know, because this was an important person. Especially during times when things got a little more difficult, when, when more tribes, more people moved in here, and, and then conflict started. So that, these men and women became more and more important for, their, for protection, for direction, and, and for all kinds of things that they could provide. And, and when I said earlier that, you know, the, the, even the smallest, you know, today we, we, we dislike some creepy crawlers, we, we dislike some animals, but to me, to my culture, they're all important because the smallest crawling bug can provide you with that power that is necessary to become a doctor of medicine or You can get your power from the smallest or from the largest. So they all played and, and were very, had an important role in our way of life, in our life system. So that's why we, we look at animals, we look at things. Today, 
we see a bug or something, we, we step on it and kill it without thinking that it has a role, it has a purpose. That's why our ecosystem is kind of, if not a whack, is because those things that used to take care of those things are disappearing. We as humans have neglected to, to protect them. And so that's, that's why we're so, you know, we're so respectful to the animals. And, and I said, like I said, that's, that was their job when they came through here, the animals not only getting rid of all the evil, but also providing for future generations. <clears throat> okay, what did I leave out last time? Oh, that traditional way of life here, where I guess there's a cycle, you know, the fish and hunting. And uh, a lot of our place names came from, from different things, you know, from, from either from plants, from animals. You know, very few came from, from certain events that was also connected more more to the to the from plants and animals, those kinds of things. So <clears throat> our traditional way of life was based mostly on respect. Respect to everything. Animals, water, air, and also humans, also each other. And those were some 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 strong beliefs that our ancestors passed down to each and all of us as, as we were growing up. If I went to another home, I had to show the same respect to the people there, to the parents, grandparents in that home as I would at home, in my own home. If for some reason I didn't do that and my grandmother found out about it, my grandmother's I keep talking about her because she's the one that raised me. If my grandmother found out about it, there's another plant that was important in her life, and that was a willow. <laughs> believe me, that willow was, was pretty strong. Powerful plant. Most of the time at all, it only took one connection, and then I, I'd learn. But those are some of the things that, <laughs> that we learned from, from our elders is, is that respect for, for everything, for each other. Today I still live by that rule. I try to teach my children and grandchildren the same thing. One of the uh, central aspects of traditional cultural spiritual, <coughs> the medicine is our, our whole life was our, our relationship with the plants. It's very, very important, you know, there's, I think just in this valley itself, maybe, I think we have about 180 different names, different plants that we are familiar with, that we use. A lot of our people still use those. Uh, in our yard, uh, in our yards today, there's one, I can't even remember what it, what the English name is, or what it real is, uh, scientific name. Well, we called it gopher tail. It looks like a little gopher tail. I don't know what it is. Uh, but that is, is a good medicine for small cuts, for cuts or bruises. You can take that. You can smash it and put it on your, if you have a cut, put it on it, wrap it, 
But today we have Band-Aids, so you can just put a Band-Aid on. And then within 24 hours or so, you could, you could take it and check it, and you can see it's starting to heal already. It, it cleans it out and starts to heal. And you'll just have a little white strip where it's, it's been cleaned and it starts to heal. So that's everyday, everyday plant in our, in our homes, in our yards. So there's a lot of plants out there that, that took years and years and years to perfect, to understand through the gifts of our created toward people. So, and <coughs> many, many of the foods are, are also important. You know, going out there and gathering was something that we had to do all the time, year round. You know, but it wasn't like work back then. It was just a way of life. You know, I, I'm sure the majority of us in here love to go camping today. We can't wait till we can get some time off to go camping. Thousands of years ago, every day was camping. <laughs> so we, they traveled. Wherever the evening, the nightfall came, that was their bedroom. The next morning they had whatever there, they ate, moved on. So that, that, that it wasn't a permanent place, it was just living <coughs> with the land, living with what was there, what was provided, and gathering and getting ready for the winter months. So all of our, that not only the plants, but everything that was, the plants were kept in was from out there. The, the, the animal skins were used as, as for, uh, make parflesh. I'm sure you know what parflesh is. Those are simply put Indian suitcases. You put, they put things. Not only do they store the, the dried meat, the, the berries in it, but they also used certain plants to put in with it to keep the bugs out. So, so you could store it and it would last all winter long, and with that certain plant mints that they put in there, no bugs, bug free, guaranteed. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that you know we still use today. We still do. Uh, we still try to teach our young people because that is the connection again to, to who we are. We lose that, we're lost. It doesn't matter whether you're sailors. Hellespell, Chinese, Japanese, German, Swede, we all have a connection to that past and we must maintain that or else we'll lose our, our identity, who we are. So it's, it's important to, to teach our children that. And through history, we can do that. We can make, maintain those ties to our people. You know? and, and history is not just today. It's not just 500 years ago. It goes way back. Layers and layers and layers of history. <coughs> Native people and then other people become all important in that process. And our children need to understand that. We just didn't arrive when we're here today. There was a process that we came through. There was a process our our, our ancestors, our parents came through. And through that whole process was a way of life that they learned.
in order to survive and then pass on to the next generation. So those are some of the things that I wanted to share with you. So, uh, you know, not only the, 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 you know, not only the basic bitterroot, camas, uh, berries, uh, but there were dozens of other, other things. There's a lot of other things that the roots, the bulbs, the berries, even some bark, tree bark, were consumed in smaller quantities. Uh, you know, it was very, a very diverse diet. And that's probably why people were in better shape then than they are today, right? I'll go to McDonald's and eat there. You know, I, I was, I, I really felt embarrassed, you know, I was, when we were having lunch, came up, come on, I'll take you up to the front. Oh, no, hey, wait a minute, there's other people in line. I said, I can wait and I can go to McDonald's. <laughs> so, now you get up here and you got to eat, you got to talk. So, but if I would have ate McDonald's, I wouldn't have had this great food here, right? So that's the way things were. I mean, back then, we had better diets. We had better things. And now today, because we are, it's easier to, to go vegan. We put ourselves in that situation because we go by this a lot. Okay, we got time, right? No, you've got about 10 minutes. All right. So now I have to change things. I have to do things. So it's easier for me to go downtown and get something rather than make it or do something different. So we put ourselves in it, and then our, a lot of things change. Our diets change, our habits change, and not only that whole thing that's changing, our whole body is changing, right? So back then, the work, the outside, the food, I mean, everything was different, and we were in greater shape. So a lot of those things are they're there. Many medicines uh, are still there that were still used. Uh, many place names were named after a lot of the plants, not only that, you know, not vans or people, but plants. In the Bitterroot Valley here, as I said, mentioned in there, there's a place that's called the uh, uh, Waters of the Red Osier Dogwood or, or Red Willow. Bitterroot River, that's called in Can you say that fast ten times? <laughs> or Hamilton, what we call Hamilton. And that's referring to the scattered trees on open ground back then. You know, you got you gotta believe, you gotta understand that what it looked like here many years ago doesn't look it doesn't look like today. But that those were some of the things that were noticeable when the people were here. And so they called it And there's another one in Milte, what is called Three Mile Creek. We call it in Milte, place of the quake in Aspen. So it's, again, it's named after, after the, the plants and the trees that were there. Etchmid, White Cottonwoods, Stevensville. Uh, in Po, that's an easy one. In Po, place of willows, Corvallis. So all the all the towns here are named after plants, except for 
the newer names that we have, and that is Lolo. <coughs> Lolo we call Chaputlus. Chaputlus in our belly means, uh, in our in our language means greasy belly. Why? Well, that was referring to after settlers arrived here. Okay, they were referring to the blacksmith. We all know the blacksmith wore a leather apron, right? And so from a distance, you look at the apron, it's leather and it's shiny. So you look at him in greasy belly. So that's how it got, it got its name. So those are some of just examples. There's a lot more here, but those are some of the examples that a lot of our, how our names, place names are tied to certain things and certain events. Like uh, I, I mentioned uh, Sleeping Child. That's called Snetbet Chet, the Sleeping Child, and there's a story behind that. Chaka'eh, which is uh, 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 something stuck in the tree or something, and then we're referring that to the medicine tree. Chidmeh, uh, a place, a, a tree that looks like the limbs have been chopped off or cut off. That's what we refer to Council Grove. So they're all identified in, by not with actually the event, but by plants and by trees that are connected to that. So, and scarred trees are, are something, ooh, scarred <laughs> trees are, are a part of that cycle. You know, scarred trees, you, how many of you have seen scarred trees? All your balsas, I'm sure. No, not all of you? Oh, I should have brought some pictures in. A scarred tree is, a, you'll see today, Sometimes you go in the woods and, and there would be a big open space on the, side, on the side of the tree where someone had cut part of it off. What it is, is what they did is cut part of the bark off. And as the tree grew up some more, it just kind of stretched and made the, the shape of the scar, little oblong, makes a different shape. But for that, there's a lot of reasons. It could be because of the marker, because bark was used also for uh, different things. Uh, for instance, uh, as a food in the springtime, the cambium inside the bark, if you cut, they cut so long in the tree and take the bark off. They don't cut all the way around because if you do, you kill the tree. So they just cut part of it. So it doesn't kill the tree. The tree will survive and continue to go. That's why you see the scars on it. But the cambium in there, in the springtime, is very good, sweet, filling, and rich. There's different kinds of trees. There's, there's that, and I think there's western larch, and, and others that, that have cambium that people ate. They also use some, you'll see these more in the, um, in some areas where there's a, a, sometimes closer to water, you'll see scar trees there. And it mostly those, the bark that were used in baking camas. Uh, you all know what camas is, right? Uh, camas is a bulb, and it's a very, very good food. And that's, they used the, the bark as part of that baking process. 
camas was baked for three days before it was ready. And there was a, a, quite a process. There was usually alder bushes, uh, rocks, they heat rocks, uh, alder branches, um, skunk cabbage, and then the tree bark were all part of the, the baking. Baking the canvas was done. Oh boy. It took three days, and, and the ladies, the women, that was their job. You know, when I was younger, my grandmother, I was the youngest of four brothers. When I was younger, my, my grandmother said, come on, you're going to gather. We'd have to gather the wood, we'd have to get the branches, we'd have to get all the, do all the work. And when we got it all, then she'd kick us out, go home. And in the Salish, that said, she said, In other words, you might ruin it. A man, in the, a man doesn't have a place in the kitchen. Get out. So she would take over then and cook it for three days. You know, the, the tree lichen that you see, that's food. It's very, that, that, that's what makes the licorice taste. It's when it was cooked right. And I haven't really seen, maybe I'm just prejudiced because I think my grandma's the best cook. But that's the last time I seen it, when she pulled it out of the pit when I seen it, it was one solid slab of camas and that black tree moss. That moss, when it cooks, it just melts into it. And she took a knife, cut it, it just tastes like licorice. And then take it, cut it up, dry it, store it, it lasts for years when it's stored properly. So that's one of the important foods after the bitterroot. The bitterroot is probably the most important because it's the first food plant that's ready every year. And with that, we have ceremonies that go along with the bitterroot. We have ceremonies because it's the first food plant that's ready. And once we do the ceremonies, it covers for the rest of the year, rest of the season. So we were very, uh, very religious, very spiritual when it came to our food, to our, to our plants. Thank you. Thank you.